Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here, and today we're going to be talking about something very interesting. It's how to grow your influence through strategic media placement. Now, I'm not sure if you've heard of the person who's on the line with us today, but his name's Ulysses Susina. Uh, when I first talked to Ulysses, he was like, oh, Leonard, you know what? I loved your site so much. I wanted to copy it word for word. I'm like, I don't know if this is a compliment or an insult. I'm really confused right now, but he looks really eager. Let's really get to know him more. Currently, he's only 21 years old. He's a publicist, a PR strategist, and he's been able to found a company called Influ- Influencer Press. With that company, he's gone out there and he manages the publicity of like multiple clients who are all worth over $100 million. And he's helping them land features in all these big publications. Like You've probably heard of some of them, like Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, Huffington Post. That's just a few of the places that he's really helped some clients get connected with. But there's a huge laundry list that continues to go on, and it's from a spectator point of view. Um, having Ulysses just like come down one time when I'm over at UC Irvine, just chilling, popping up with a little shirt with my face on it, to watching him grow into someone who's like running a company that's successful, it's like you know really fun to see. And I wanted to bring Ulysses on today to tell us a little bit more about his story. Why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure, dude. By the way, okay. thank you for the killer intro. Um, that was really oh, good. That's a killer and yeah, intro? I, I was right trying to now, be modest. What's up? Oh, that's a killer intro? I was trying to be modest. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it was a killer intro. Um, you oh, made thanks. it sound really good. Cool. Yeah, so a little bit a little bit of what I do, which you kind of covered, um, is, yeah, we extract, like, the, the stories from our clients, and we help them get featured on these publications. And a lot of it now, what we do is, like, positioning. Um, so we used to just do press just to get press, right, just because they wanted to get featured in Forbes, and it was like a major ego play for them. But now it's, like, more towards, like, an end result. Like, okay, if they want to get press, like, wh- like what is it going to do for them? What are they looking to, to accomplish? And then that way we kind of, like, reverse engineer what we need to do or what type of press they actually need to kind of, like, help them accomplish their end goal instead of just getting, you know, a full feature just because they think it'd be nice. So, so before it was like, hey, Ulysses, I, I've done this big thing in my life, and I'm really, really proud of it. I want it to be in Forbes. Yeah, that was it, pretty much. And then we would take them on, we would, we would take them on as a client. Um, but we found, like, that was very, like, purposeless. Like, there was no purpose to it, right? It was just, um, like, I didn't even feel, I didn't, I didn't feel that good, um, you know, running a business where it was just like, yeah, people were just, you know, hiring us just to get a feature here and there, and, like, we wouldn't help them accomplish something even bigger. So, like, do you feel like when these people came and approached you for this type of thing and they were only going out there for the ego boost, do you think that, like, who, who really won from that situation? Who really what? Who really won from that situation? Did the publisher win? Did the, per- did the person who wanted the ego boost win? Did you win? Did anyone even win? Did the reader win? That's true. That's true. Um, a lot of people lost in that situation. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go as far as to say, like, everybody kind of lost in that situation. And the reason I'm saying that is because, one, um, there was no end goal for us. So we would win by getting them that press feature. 
Um, two, the you know the audience didn't really win anything because it was an ego play for the client. So like they didn't learn anything. They just kind of you know read a story, and then it was it was not even a win for the client because even though even though they got that feature, like yeah, it was an ego play, but it helped. It, it did nothing for them in terms of like whatever it is that they wanted to accomplish. Um, and even for the publisher, like just because it was a win from them, like it didn't help whether it brought views or whatever it was. So um, that's a very good point. Like I think in all areas, it kind of like everybody won a little bit, but it wasn't um, that, you know, that the, the massive impact that it could have generated from like all sides. Yeah. So kind of like how you get that type of person and you take them on. Like I've got people who reach out to me all the time. They're like, yeah, I want media. I want press. Then I go click on their site, and they're, like, reselling MMDs. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so you, you bought a pair of MMDs for, like, 150 bucks, and you're reselling them for 200 Yeah, this is a very exciting business. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Like, why? Why do you need a press? What's it going to do? Like, what's the purpose of it? How does it even fit into what you're doing? Like, I'm like, um, yeah, no, I'm not going to help you. Maybe I should refer you to the Ulysses, but I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't want to be that mean. I don't want you to actually, you know, go out there and have the same kind of problems that I face. Where I'm like, what am I gonna do with this person? I can take their money, but it's kind of pointless to do this. Yeah, yeah, and then even then, like, yeah, for like those people, um, it would like, for example, like that shoe when they're like reselling that shoe. Um, if they if if like that's what they were doing, then like if they actually thought about it, like how it would help them out more. Then what if they like resold it to like, you know, higher influencers or like just some celebrities? Because I know I have a client that like did that and that press feature actually got him on like uh, Business Insider on like a video and all this type of stuff. But again, like it was more towards like an end result, you know, it wasn't just like, yeah, just getting on that fourth feature just to get a fourth feature. Like there was, a, there was a, an end play in mind. Yeah, but then you had to like make something else happen to make it even be newsworthy enough for Forbes to pick it up. For sure. Like, for sure, yeah. Like, there's a lot of things that you look at from the surface level and you're like, okay, what's this person got that's really unique? And it's like, if they're going to be spending this much money, well, where are they really going to get? And I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I can't figure it out. If I can't figure it out, then how is someone else going to figure it out? Yeah. So now that you're looking for the purpose instead of going out there, I mean, if, if in the egotistical situation no one wins, then there's really no point to do it because you're hurting your relationships all the way through. And that's one thing that a lot of publicists, a lot of PR companies should really look at, even influencers. If you're going out there and doing something just because you want the fame, it's like, what's the point? You need an end result. So what kind of results are you like formulating now with your new restructure? Yeah, so for example, like right now, um, we have a client, uh, and he's like in the brick and mortar space, so he does roofing. Um, so, you know, ro roofing is not a very sexy business right, to get featured on any publication. Um, but he has a roofing business that's doing like over $100 million a year. So that's a good angle. Now, if we got him on these media publications and stuff like that, and we got him in-person uh, interviews and, and podcast interviews and stuff like that, not not only does he get press for his business, but he's getting press for himself. And then he kind of establishes himself as one of like the business experts in roofing because no one has kind of like claimed that title yet. It's more so like agencies and businesses and stuff like that or corporations, but nobody's doing like a personal brand behind that business. So 
what we're trying to do is kind of like do the same like Ed Milet type feel where when people think of like Ed Milet, they don't think of like uh, WFG, which is like World Financial Group. They think of Ed Milet. Mm-hmm. When they think of Andy Priscilla, they think of Andy Priscilla and then First Form. Like they think of these big names before they even think about the companies that they run. So like that's the same thing that we're trying to accomplish with, you know, um, my clients. And you do that through that throughout like the positioning and the media placement and stuff like that. But it's very tailored towards his end result, which is being that like business guru instead of just like his business doing this or he, you know, like a a win here and a win there. It's like very tailored because after you get those, you know, the the mentions and all that type of stuff on the media publications, you can use that um, to kind of snowball effect it into like, okay, now, now go collaborate with like another big influencer and just kind of like going that route. Cool. So now me, I get it. I, I understand how this works because you're like roofing expert, become the expert in the media, become the go-to source for roofing. I get it completely because, you know, um, I work in a similar type of thing. But now, like, yeah. let's say so there's probably maybe one or two roofing experts or people listening to this thing who are, you know, like in a weird industry like roofing where they're like, there's no expert here. There's nothing really standing out. Like, how do you stand out? How do you get a media feature as a roofing expert? Because, like, is roofing, like, a newsworthy topic? I don't think it is, but there, there's got to <laughs> yeah. be ways for a roofing expert to fit into the media. How does that actually work? Yeah, good, good question. So um, I got the same thing. So, like, for example, uh, the editor, like, the main editor at success.com, um, I, I, I wanted him to do, like, consulting for us and stuff like that on, on like, you know, on paid. And he said... He said that, that the roofing guy had no way of getting, you know, um, exposure just because of the business that he's in. Like, right, it's not right, right. Like, just, yeah. So that's exactly what, you know, the editor of Success said. Uh, but it's not about that. Like, it's not about the roofing. Um, it's about, like, he was able to build a successful business that does over $100 million a year. And that in itself is very newsworthy. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be. The, the roofing space in general, like, because he's able to build, to, to build a, a business and kind of, like, systematically grow it and have a team and kind of scale. Like, he could talk about scaling. He could talk about uh, growing the team. He could talk about le- leadership. He could talk about culture. So, like, there's a lot of things that you can, like, tie into that, which doesn't have to necessarily, like, relate to, like, roofing. That's interesting. He could also talk about how to, like, fill up a hole with the leak on your roof, too. <laughs> yeah, how to... Yep. You know, you know, they need to call on him when there's a tsunami or something that hits, right? Earthquake. See, there's media opportunities right there. Like it's just taking that um taking that veil, like lifting it up and looking at all the magic underneath. Like you have to think outside the box. You can't just be like, Oh, this roofing person, what the hell are they going to talk about? There's so many different components that come to a roofing company. How do you recruit the people? How do you train them? How do you set up that company culture? How do you scale and grow your business? How do you take it from a one roof shop to like multiple roofs? How do you get that to expand all across the country? Like these are valuable insights that people are really looking for. Then even if there's a real emergency, like a tsunami, a tsunami, a earthquake, I can't say these words, earthquake, a hurricane, whatever it may be, (laughs) then 
you know, people are looking at what they can do to really protect themselves from that disaster. And when you're a roofing expert, you have expertise in these types of situations because you probably faced them before. So you can provide your expertise inside at those moments too. And that's how you can really go out there and generate that media. Now, if you don't yeah, have the yeah. ability to really go out there and craft these ideas yourself, guess what? There's people like us who are able to help you. Ulysses is here. I'm here. We all have creative ideas. And we can figure this stuff out if you can't. So... There's all, if there's a will, there's a way. Unless you're a uh, brand new company that's putting up a $150 shoe for $200. <laughs> Let me just end now. <laughs> so in regards to uh, the success that you've been seeing by creating bigger plans for these companies, what's really the result of this? Because like, is there a long-term win that these people are going after? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely more long-term now. Like, our projects are at least six months. Um, and the reason for that is because, one, like, media placement is not, you know, that fast. Like, we can't really control when it goes up. Um, mm -hmm. And plus, there's just a lot more to, like, you know, manufacturing somebody's personal brand than just, like, um, you know, than just, like, PR. Right, because it's, like, before anybody ever buys into you, they buy into, like, your methodology. They buy into, like, they have to do research on you and all that type of stuff. So our thing now is, like, we want to be able to control exactly what the end user sees. Because if you can control what they see about you, then almost in a way you can control what they think about you, right? And then that's where the real power lies because um, if you can control what people think about you, then you can almost control their buying decision. You can control if they want to go with you. You can control, you know, whatever it is that um, you want them to, like, ultimately um, happen, right, take action on. So it's definitely more long-term, and, and the end result is, is beautiful. Just because, like, it goes from, like, somebody that has no idea on kind of, like, how to get to that next level in terms of, like, influence, and then we just kind of take them through the entire process, which I've found, like, it's usually a set of steps kind of that kind of, you know, take, even though it's tailored for every single person, it's like you still have to do, like, some of these steps in order for it to, like, work. Right, which in terms gets you like the you know all the notability and stuff like that. So now your contracts are around six months long. Like, how long were they before? Were they like just a month or two, and then they'd be like one and done, and they'd be gone? Yeah, they were. Like the contracts before were anywhere from like one month to four months to six months, but it was all just media placement. So like that was that was all we would do, right? So if somebody wanted to push or a campaign, or they wanted to boost their personal brand, like, we would still do that, but in, in, when we would wait for the features to come out, we would do, like, nothing, we would just kind of wait, right? Uh, but yeah. now, it's like, okay, when the media pieces are uh, waiting to come out, then we're doing something else, then we're doing something else, so, like, it's, like, uh, it's, it's a lot easier because we get to leverage it, right? Like, when we do collaborations with other influencers in their same space, we say, like, yes, you know, we have, like, two, three features coming out on this topic on Forbes, Inc., and Entrepreneur, um, and then that in itself, like just saying that is like massive credibility for the person that wants to partner up um, and then they'll partner up and then that partnership will lead to like another media opportunity. And then that's why it's like, you know, just snowballs. You just kind of leverage whatever, all of your wins essentially to get more wins. So in the past when you had these smaller contracts, like how much media could a company really get? Were they like leaving? Was there like no more that they could buy from you? Did they just go, oh, look, there's not much else we could do together? Is that why you changed your business model? I changed the business model because um, 
there's a, there's a few reasons, but I changed the business model just because, like, it just wasn't working. Like, um, you know, people wanted press, but we would get them to press, and then we were getting a lot of clients that just wanted to press. And for me, it's just, like, there's not a direct alignment. Like, I'm never going to become this huge thing or this huge business if all we're doing is, like, paid placement. Like, every one-off or, you know, doing one-offs or anything like that. Like, we have to go towards a bigger, deeper route um, if we want to grow. And, like, that's, that's the main reason. And then when we did make that switch, it's like a lot of times when we would get the people to press, they just, they just didn't know how to leverage it, right? They would always ask us, like, okay, what do we do from here? But, like, now, like, we incorporate the press, but we also take it a step further and we teach them how to leverage it. So, in other words... We do it with them. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, like, we don't teach them how to do it. We, we do it with them. Like, okay, like, okay, with this press, like, we'll do this and then do that. So, yeah. So, like, before it kind of felt like a little bit like, um, you know, just like a one-time deal. Like, if you go buy bubble gum off the street corner from a, from a block that you'll never go back to. And now it's, like, more like an actual relation-building thing. Right, right, for sure. Because, yeah, once, once people get the press, then it's just there. Like, what, what, you know, what are you going to use it for? What, what else, right? So, like, all the press that we do get them now, it's, like, it's always leveraged in some, like, shape or form. So, it's not just, it didn't, it didn't just, like, happen in vain. Cool. Well, we're going to hop off to a commercial break, and we'll get into more details about exactly all of this um, press stuff. Uh, you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Where can people find you, Ulysses? Um, you can find me on Ulysses uh, at, on Instagram. Where on Instagram? At Ulysses. Oh, at Ulysses. Perfect. And we'll be back yeah. after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel hear the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers this is grow your influence tree to reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. 
Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, Leonard Kim here, back with Ulysses Osuna. If you've tuned into the first segment of this um, wonderful radio show, you've been able to hear what it's like to really be able to go out there and get press and use it for a purpose. Because guess what? Let's say you just get Forbes to talk about you, and you have no strategy behind that. You get absolutely nothing from that mention. There's always got to be a strategy behind what you're doing so you can leverage that press into bigger and better things, or else everyone just loses from you having it. So now what we're going to do is, Ulysses and I, how long have we known each other? For a long time. I feel like three, four years maybe. Three, four years? Wow. Does that mean that you're like, uh, we've known each other long enough where you're like, we're we're like family or something? (laughs) I think so. It's because I've known you ever since I wanted to copy you. Oh, yeah, (laughs) about that. So Ulysses has known me ever since he wanted to copy me. So really, um, I I guess I've seen him really grow from wanting to copy me into becoming something that's a lot a lot different than me, which is kind of nice because he's not like me, <laughs> which is a good thing. But how did you get to where you are? Like, what's the story behind it? What motivated you? What drove you? What made you go, oh, you know what? I want to be this guy who does this. Yeah, so, right, like, I was about 17, 18 probably, um, and I was watching, I was leg- like, legit on just YouTube. I was just watching videos, and then all of a sudden, like, an ad popped up, um, and it was not Ty Lopez, but it was, like, you know, somebody similar they were telling me, like, if I, you know, um, if I watched over their shoulder and I'd look at the dream and all that type of stuff, that I'd, I'd be a multi-millionaire. And he showcased his fancy car, his beautiful wife, his big house, everything that, you know, appeals to a 17, 18-year-old kid. So that was, like, my end goal. And I kind of made a decision of, like, you know what? Like, this is it. I have no idea what this guy's selling, but I'm going to go all in in whatever this online marketing thing is. So I did a lot of research. Um, and that's what I was doing, just general online marketing. I found Neil Patel. Neil Patel dominates the search engines. He, like, ranks for everything online marketing. Um, and I also found you. Like, I always liked personal branding. Like, ever since I was a little kid, um, I always wanted to be that guy, the one. Or um, even when I wanted to be in WWE, I just wanted to be the guy that won the WWE championship or whatever it was. I just wanted to be that guy, right? So I think you could you, win it. I think um, you could. You should sign up for that. No, I can't. I'm like five foot one, dude. Everybody's there is like six foot. You run between yeah, their legs, you hit them in the balls, and you knock them down. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I guess it's. I guess since it's like uh, it's fake, we can uh, technically like make me win. You know what I mean? So I guess I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, but, it is rigged, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, and then that's, you know, I found you because you always talked about um, personal branding. Like, people. When I was first starting out, nobody gave me the time of day, right? Like, and it's very hard to kind of succeed when everybody kind of thinks you're like, oh, just another person. So they won't respond to your messages. They won't, you know, give you an opportunity, none of that type of stuff. So you were always teaching me like, okay, well, how do you grow that influence to the point where um, people do give you the time of day, right? Because if they do give you that time of day, then your success rate just automatically increases. Um, And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do exactly what Leonard Kim does. So I like I wanted to copy your entire site, your form, all that type of stuff, and I was just gonna like place it online. Um, now, unfortunately, I wasn't as good as you. Like I was nowhere near that. Um, but I learned like throughout, like personal branding was a thing, and one of the ways to like build a huge, like you know, unquestionable personal brand is through the media. Like the reason you always get a ton of media interviews 
um, like you, I've always seen you like get featured everywhere. It's because you already have that personal brand. Like one, you go after it, but two, like you don't even have to go after it. They just come to you because you're Leonard Kim. So like that's what I wanted to happen to like me and my client. Yeah. And then. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> so I started. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I started uh, Influencer Press. So that's like you know the, the the company that kind of started it all for me. And Influencer Press is like the, the like EPR firm like for influencers. Like any type of influencer, they came to us. We would get them on any media publication, um, and we would get a lot of testimonial from it. And it just kind of rose to that top. Like uh, like PR is very unsaturated. So even though I'm very young, like I'm still kind of one of the pioneers in a way because even though there's a lot of agencies and stuff, there's not too many people that do PR that are personal brands about it that people can like reach out to and stuff. So um, yeah, that's what that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, I mean, like back in the past, like when I used to work for startups and stuff, we look around for like PR agencies and we'd be like, oh, what's the difference from one to the other? How do you know if one's going to screw you over and one's going to be able to help you? How do you know right. the results of all this? And like, we didn't know how to figure it out. So we didn't hire anyone. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's one of the, we actually got a lot of uh, that objection a lot. Like why, you know, why would we choose you over somebody else? So this is like a great way um, where you can, you know, use this strategy. So for example, we would always get like, oh, no, why would we choose your PR firm over somebody else's and you're younger? Like, what are your wins? What makes you unique? So what we did is we went out, we pitched our company, and we got an article um, that said million-dollar PR companies look to the 20-year-old for advice. So, and in that article, every time, so we had a competitor at the time that was doing it for, like, um, for big influencers and stuff like that. So yeah. we had, in that article, we talked about how that company would always come to us for advice, and they even asked us to buy them out. So every time they would be like, you know, every time our clients would, or not clients, but potential clients, would ask us what you know what makes you different. We would send over that article, which just like automatically like eliminates that that objection, right? Because it's like if million dollar like if million dollar companies are coming to us for advice, then like that's why they should come to us, right? Because we're that go to even for the company. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you're kind of answering the question that they have without answering it yourself. You have a third party, a credible source, really answering that question for you. Yeah. And I, I can see how that really drives the value for, like, if I was reading something that wasn't written by Ulysses, but it was in an article written by someone else, and they were talking about your story, then I, I think I'd be able to trust you a little more. Maybe, just a little more, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it definitely works. And that's a real great thing about, like, getting press. But you have to get the... See, what you did there is you got the right kind of press, right? Yeah. You didn't go out there and you didn't go, oh, I'm just going to get pressed because I need to stroke my ego. You didn't say, oh, I, I'm going to go get pressed because I want my company to be, like, famous. You said, I'm going to exactly. solve, a, I'm going to answer a question that I continually get. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So this is what you're doing for your clients now, too, right? Right. Yes. So, like, that's why, that's that angle, right? Like, again... Um, like I did, you're right, 100%. When you're talking about it, like I didn't do it to boost my ego. I didn't do it because you know whatever it was, whatever other thing that you know I could have gotten it for. I got it for a specific reason. Like the end goal was to eliminate that, uh, like that objection, so I can get more clients. 
right? Which it, it did. It helped me out a lot. Like my conversion rates uh, like increased just because you know uh, we had a prestigious publication saying that about us. So um, yeah, that's what strategic media placement is, right? It's not just media placement in general. Yeah, and one of the things I saw you do recently is I saw you get a new home. And I really got sad for you because I know that you enjoy like your mom's cooking and you're very family oriented and you spend a lot of time with your dad. I was like, you got a new home? Who's going to cook for you? That was like my first question. I know, I know. <laughs> I have no idea how to cook at all. <laughs> so uh, how, how are you going to eat? <laughs> I, we order a lot of Uber Eats. Cool. So, they actually I, I used to have a meal prep. Um, what's up? Do they actually deliver it into your place? Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. Um, Uber Eats is good. It, it'll take, like, depending on where we live, like right now, uh, we'll have a lot more options. Um, but, 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 yeah, but before, at the apartment, um, it would take, like, like 30 minutes um, just because, like, I guess it's, that's the normal time it takes. But, um, like, at our new place, it's going to be a lot quicker. More wow. options. <clears throat> so uh, I've always ordered, like, Domino's, Pizza Hut, you know, the local Korean place, and I get delivery, and they always found a way to make it up to my apartment door, right? <laughs> but ever since Postmates and Uber Eats came out, like, these people forgot how to come up to my door. They're always just like, there's no parking. How do I get up? Or there's no parking. Come downstairs. I'm like, I didn't order delivery to come downstairs. Figure it out. Wow. And then I put this up online, and everyone's hating on me now. They're like, oh, you're such a jerk. You're, you're this. You're such a crybaby. You're so inconsiderate. You don't care about anyone. I'm like, what do you mean? Why, why, could, the, why could the little Korean uh, delivery person figure out how to get this food to my door? And why can't the freaking Postmates driver whose whole goal, whole thing is all about delivering food to your door. How come they can't figure it out? Like, that just boggles my mind. It's like, okay, you have this billion dollar know, company that's supposed to do one thing. <laughs> Yeah, it gives you that option, too, like, on Uber Eats, like, it says, deliver to your door. Yeah. Like, and then, the reason why I put deliver to my door. Yeah, and then, like, I only order food, like, maybe twice a month, like, um, to delivery, and that's when I'm, you know, exhausted after I've been looking at food for, like, an hour, trying to debate what to eat, laying around, miserable, tired, like, no tomorrow. And all I want is one thing to happen for that food to come to my door. And 50% of the time when I order, it doesn't come to my door. So I, I, <laughs> I got so angry about this and I ran it. And like everyone hates me because I complained about the poor little delivery people over at Postmates. But I still think that, you know, they, they only have one job. Just one job. I agree. Can you write an article about that? Can you pitch an article about how much Postmates sucks? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind going on the record for this. <laughs> Do I have to pay you? <laughs> I know. No, that's okay. <laughs> the, the, uh, so here, here's my ego play. Okay, I just really want Postmates to get bad press. <laughs> Oh, should I pay a publicist to go out there and pitch this to the media for me? So back when you started out, like you um, had a strong desire to go out there and grow and become something bigger. And you followed like names like Neil Patel. You were inspired from this video from this um, guy who had this beautiful wife and everything. 
Do you think all that inspiration and everything came because you wanted more out of life? Did you feel like you were missing something? Like, what was that driving factor? Because it couldn't have just been that person talking about the dream. It has to be something deeper from within that leads you towards chasing that. You know what right. I mean? I think at first, like, it was definitely... Yeah. What's up? Um, because, like, let's say you have, like, everything you want in life, and you see that, like, it means nothing to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, I know at first it was that, like, I really wanted what he had. You know, I wanted a beautiful wife. Um, I wanted kids. I mean, not at that time, but I don't want kids. Um, I wanted a huge mansion. I wanted the nice cars. And now as I'm going through it, I don't, I want more of a legacy now. Like, I want more to be one of, you know, the best instead of just, like, having the materialistic things that I thought I wanted at first. Yeah, I mean, first, it seems like we want the materialistic things, but when we take that look inside, it's really because we were missing something else. And it wasn't really the material things that we were really after. Those were just things that we just distracted ourselves with. And you've gone out there, you've driven nice cars, you've been able to stay at nice places. And like, um, like when you drove that Ferrari, it was probably fun, but did it feel like, oh, I really need this thing? Did it feel what? Did it feel like, oh, I really need this thing? This Ferrari is going to change my life and make all my problems go away and make me the happiest person in the world? <laughs> no, it did not feel like that. It did feel really cool, but at the end of it, I was like, eh, like, I don't need it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's how yeah, it is with it is a nice. lot of things, right? Yeah, it is. It is with a lot of things. Like, once you have it, it's like, oh, well, it's like, it's not actually that nice. Yeah, like I look at my watch, and then um, my watch you have to like manually dial twist, right? And then yeah. it has a date on it, right? And then like every single time I pick it up, uh, I realize that it's like the last time I wore it was like 20, 25 days ago. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so I have this piece of jewelry that I'm supposed to wear like every single day, but like I'm barely even wearing it because it's like... The thought of having it is, like, important, but then once you actually have it, it kind of loses its value, and then you really figure out, like, what really Yeah. What, what really Yeah, matters. you're like... <laughs> yeah. You going? And then um, now you're finding out that you want to have a legacy, and that's the real thing you're going after. Why, why do you think you want to have a legacy? Um... It makes me feel important, I guess. Like, I think that's the <laughs> ego play for me. <laughs> I know. It makes me feel validated. Yeah. But why do you think you need validation? When you were growing up, did your parents not listen to you? <laughs> probably. I was probably very uh, alone. <laughs> <laughs> See, it all comes from somewhere. It's like, oh, I need that legacy. I need to be big, I need to do big things, and it's just like, oh yeah, mom didn't listen to me when I asked you to buy that burger at the grocery store. <laughs> I know, huh? Okay, it all stemmed from like one thing. <laughs> right? It's so funny how this thing works, but hey, guess what? It works in mysterious ways. <laughs> yeah, because, like, because my mom never bought me the toy I wanted, like, I want to build a huge legacy. 
Yeah, <laughs> but that's really like how things work. And like for me, yeah. I think, I think for me, like one of my driving moments was um, around like when nine eleven happened. Like my mom, her business started to go down, and then like she had, couldn't buy like food anymore. So, like for a whole month straight, we were eating like a rice and egg, and then um, we just melt butter on it to give it flavor, right? <laughs> And I'm like, I, I think we're poor right now. I think we're really poor. <laughs> I think I need to make a lot of money so we <laughs> never have to do this again. Well, but yeah, that was like uh, the driving we're... factor, you know? Cool. So we're going to go off to another commercial break, and we'll be back after this. Um, you can find me at Mr. Larry Kim on Twitter, and you can find Ulysses at Ulysses on Instagram. And we'll be back after this commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here, back with uh, Ulysses Osuna. We've gone over a lot of great things here. We've gone over how press doesn't necessarily help you unless there's a strategy behind it. We've been able to go over the personal journey that Ulysses took to get to where he is today. And what we're going to be talking about now is a little bit about, you know, like the bad things that you really shouldn't be doing in pitching. Like Ulysses, there's like hundreds and hundreds of PR companies out there. And they're like, you know what, we're going to go and we're going to get you media. And being on the receiving end of some of these pitches, I see that sometimes what they'll do is they'll be like, hi, Leonard, press release. And then I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? And you've probably seen a lot of people in your industry and how they work, right? Right. So what are some of the things that they're doing? And how effective are um, they? That what? 
And how effective are the things that they're doing too? Can you give me an example? Okay, so let's say I'm looking for a PR company and I pick a random company online and I start paying them $3,000 a month. What do you think they're going to do for me? Um, you're kind of cutting, them you're to, kind of cutting I'm off. Hiring, I'm hiring them to promote my book. My book is yeah. um, Chicken Noodles Are Great For Your um, not uh, Heart. <laughs> Chicken noodles are great for your heart. That's my book. I'm promoting it. I'm paying a publicist $4,000 a month because I want them to make Chicken Noodles is Great for Your Heart the best book in the world. What are they going to do for me? Got it. So the, the other stuff that they're doing, like uh, the traditional media companies, is they're doing a lot of stuff that, for one, they're not guaranteeing their work, right? So you're paying them four grand a month for them to pitch you, for them to do the work, but not to guarantee you any media placement. So I know, like, um, you know, we're in that space where, like, you can't guarantee media placement because it's, like, very unethical and against the rules and stuff. Um, but unless you're, like, results-based, you should kind of guarantee work in, in some way um, because, like, you don't want to just pay. I know a lot of people who pay, PR, you know, PR companies for results, and when they don't get them results, they're still on retainer, and they still kind of have to pay that monthly retainer but yet not getting much from it. So it's like with our model, it's very, very different. Like you're paying for an end result, right? You're not paying us to do the work. Like not so many people care about the work you actually put in. They care more about are they getting what they pay for. So yeah. um, like that's one of the that's one of the reasons I think like even from the beginning uh, when we were doing paid pay, paid placement, like why people came to us because we kind of like guaranteed our results in a way. So it's like our asses were on the line to get you that result, and if we didn't. Um, then we wouldn't, you know, then nobody would benefit from it. That makes a lot of sense. So they can't guarantee the results. So let's say I'm paying that company $4,000. What are they doing? Are they just like throwing my money around, like making it rain in the office and just playing with it? Are they actually working? Yeah. Um, and you, and that's true. And you never know unless they give you like, you know, the actual reports or, you know, people that they pitched to or something like that. Um, but it's a lot, like, you should always kind of confide in somebody where they have to kind of get you results. Cool. Because right? if nobody has to get you any results, if you're on retainer and it's just, like, you're paying them to do work, they might do busy work just for the, you know, just for the hell of it. So what would you say is busy work? Busy work is doing stuff that doesn't move the needle. So, like, you know, spending two hours perfecting the pitch, um, getting a, a list of people to prospect to, uh, making sure that you're available, like all that stuff that doesn't really matter. I feel like what you really need is the angle and then pitch the person and then consistently like build that relationship with the person that you pitched and not just leave it to that one person and kind of doing the same thing with like multiple people because you can do more in a phone call than you can in an email. And you can do more in an email than I think you can do on social. So like, um, you know, just going that extra step. So you think they're just going out there and they're just spending time just like turning wheels but not really doing anything to actually make an impact? Yeah. Why do you think they're doing that? Um, they might not be doing it on purpose, but because it's not like results driven, they, they're not, they don't, um, they don't need to update their model. Like they don't need to change anything about their business model because it's uh, the end result is very different for them. I see. So 
if I'm paying someone um, and I'm on retainer with them for a whole year, like, should I expect that nothing's going to happen? Or do you think that at least something's going to happen? Do you think at least one place is going to talk about my chicken soup? <laughs> yeah, you should. You very should get something to happen. Because uh, if you don't, then you should you should ask for a refund. But they can never guarantee results just because, like, the way the media is, right? If you pitch somebody, they can say yes today, and then say no in two weeks from now after they said yes. Um, so, like, because it's very people-based, it's very relationship-based, you can't control what the other person does, right? And since they're not under your payroll, like, you have, you have to convince, you have to have a good pitch, um, then nothing is, like, set in stone. Because there's no transaction, there's no bartering, there's no anything. Um, so, like, that's why I feel like, you know, a lot of, they can take the time or whatever because the other the client has to, like, understand, like, if nothing is guaranteed. But once it is kind of guaranteed in the PR person's, you know, head, then it's like, okay, I need to make this work regardless. Hmm. So, like, let's say I have this chicken soup book and I want it, and I want to contract like a normal publicist for like a year, like what, what would probably happen for me? Like what would that, um, what would that look like? Then what would it look like compared to like what you would do? Yeah. Um, I know for us, we would uh, like one, we would send you over an intake form. Cause like we need to know exactly like by the end of that year, what is it that you would want to have accomplished? That way we know like, okay, now we have 12 months to hit that goal and to exceed it. And then we'll have, okay, we'll break it down like by month. Like, what do we need to do this month in order to make sure we're on track or even above, you know, ahead of schedule in order to get to that goal? And you never know. Like, a lot of people, they have, like, end goals where it only takes, like, two, three months to accomplish them. Hmm. So, like, that yearly contract is all just, like, bonus stuff because after the second or third month, like, whatever it is that you had wanted to have happened, like, would have happened already because they're unaware of, like, what publicity can happen or like all that type of stuff because once you kind of get that momentum you can you can really it's like a, it's like a slingshot to the top in a way once you get a lot of these media features um you can use them over and over and over again um to get a lot of more a, a lot more uh, media publicity hmm. <clears throat> so you're saying that if you get the media that gets you more media yes how does that work it's like um, nobody wants to be the first person, like for you, for example, you always get media placement, right? But it's because you have that initial standing, like of media placement, right? Like nobody wants to be the first to cover you, um, but they will cover you over and over again if you are the expert, if you are that leader in your space. But like once you've built the foundation or those initial steps, then literally all it is from there is just leverage. Like you don't have to do as much work as you needed to do in the beginning. So basically, it's like stepping stones. You have one thing grow upon the other, grow upon the other, grow upon the other, and it just continues to grow, right? Yeah. Cool. So yeah. how do other PR agencies make this work? Like, let's say I did a year with them. That what? Let's say, like, I know how your company works. Let's say I um, did worked with a different company, like a different normal PR agency, and said, here's $4,000 a month for a year. So $50,000 a year or something. I don't know how to do math. Um, but how are they going to go out there, and what are they going to do for me? Um, honestly, I'm not sure. <laughs> You're not sure? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Cool. 
So you know how your business works, but you're not sure how everyone else is doing it. No, I know, I know off of based off of like what people tell me, but because I've never like hired another PR agency, I have no idea. Like they tell, they tell me that, yeah, one, you can't guarantee anything. Two, it's like longer contract. Um, three, it's like more traditional media placement. So it's not so much like, you know, maybe it's newspapers or whatever it is. Um, I just know what's working like for us and what, what has been working for our clients. So, like that's like the only thing I'm kind of focused on, you know, but I don't know too much about what other PR companies or like the traditional, you know, PR companies do. I'm not too familiar. Yeah, cool. So, in regards to where you're heading and where you're going, do you you want to become the best in this space, right? The one that everyone turns to to make uh, their PR dreams come true. That what? You want to be you want to become the best in this space, right? Yeah. Do you think you're on the yeah. way there? Do you think that's going to happen anytime soon? What does it realistically look like in your eyes? Yeah, realistically, I think it's going to take about, oh, man, dude, I have no idea. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that by tomorrow, <laughs> I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> um, no. Dude, you I only, think, you only got, um, it's, it's 2 p.m. You only have 10 more hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it should happen anytime soon. No, I'm just kidding. I think like three, three years, three, five years, um, I should, have, by then, like I should already be super, super established. Like to the point where every every time people mention Grant Cardone or Ed Milet or Brad Lee or anybody like that, like they'll also mention me alongside them, um, because right now like we're kind of we're, we we built a business, we work with like amazing clients. Now I'm just coming to light, so it, it'll take me about six to twelve months to kind of get to where I want to be at, and then from there it's just like leveraging the shit out of it to the point where like in three years, um, there's no doubt in people's heads that like I am that guy. So like hopefully it happens by then. But things always take longer than usual. So when you say, I am that guy, like, who would you picture right now as a person who is, I am that guy, that you're kind of trying to basically take that spot from? So there is no guy yet, like, at least not for PR. So that's why I think it might be a little easier for me, just because there's nobody to take that title yet. So, like, mm-hmm. it's very open. So right? basically, like, it's like myself, Game of Thrones... And then no one's at the drone, and then everyone's just <laughs> fighting for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't see too many people fighting for that throne. Like, I see them wanting to grow their business or whatever it is, but my end goal is, like, to, to be the one in that space. And, and the way to kind of be that one in the space is, like, just hanging out with Neil Patel and all these other people that are the people in their space, right? Because, like, just by association, I'll kind of get that rub-off effect. Do you think that's how? Are you hanging out with Neil now? Does he hang out with you? Uh, yeah, we've hung, we've hung out before. I haven't hung out with him in like uh, in a while. Actually, I haven't even messaged him in a while. Um, but yeah, I have before though. Cool. Me and Neil went to high school together. We both saw Burn TV. Right. And we both he told me about house. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'm a Neil, or Neil's a Leonard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You go either way. <clears throat> so, if someone wanted to go out there and build massive press, what would you tell them? Um, build your small wins first. Like the small wins, like for you and any major, like not major publications, sorry, in the smaller publications, will be the pillar pieces to get into every single media outlet you want. But you need those first. Like, and you're looking for three things really: speed at which the publications go up, 
ease of use or ease of acceptance, how easy is it to get an article accepted, and then one control. So you want to control what, what's getting put. And then if you have those three things, you want to get exactly what you want written in that publication and then use that as leverage to get into the bigger ones and to the bigger ones and then to get, you know, um, pretty much anything that you want, really. But it comes cool. from the foundational piece. So with that foundation, you really know how to go out there and get press because press is really what's going to give you that credibility that takes your career to that next level. And um, yeah. you have to have this foundation down to really get that press in play. But if you want to go out there and you don't know where to start and you don't have any money and you're like, I don't know what to do to really go out there, but I feel that I am an expert. I mean, there's other things that you could do too. Like for example, um, one of the things that I did first is I started writing. I wrote, I wrote about my expertise and I put it all out there first. So then when people who were like journalists, columnists, people who were uh, at TV shows, they would read my stuff and they'd be like, oh, look, this guy's the expert at this stuff. So then um, what would happen is I get invited to like small little podcasts, have like small little blogs write about me. And kind of like what Ulysses said with going from those small wins, like cherish them and hold on to them, my writing kind of led to other people wanting to invite me to go and achieve these small wins. Then all yeah. of a sudden, these small wins, they started to compound and compound and compound together. And then slowly, they became a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger. And next thing you know, I went from like um, all these uh, small, tiny podcasts to being on like James Altucher's podcast. Then I went from like being written up on like um, a few people's like small blogs, their their own personal blogs. Then all of a sudden, like one day, um, a trade publication is saying, "Hey, we want to do a story on you." Then another trade publication. Then another one. Then um, when it comes to like major media, it's like, "Oh, look, this person's been in like all these different like small little trade pubs. They're probably great at what they're talking about. Let's interview them for our big pub." Then other people are like, oh, look, he's on all these other publications. Let's invite him on to our real radio show. And I'm like, okay, I'll come by and I'll say hi. Then other people are like, oh, let's get him on AM, FM, and all these other things. And then they're like, hey, you know what? You could be on TV too. And I'm just sitting here going, oh, cool. I'll, I'll get invited everywhere. And then um, I've just been talking to uh, Sarah Bliss right now from <clears throat> an hour before hopping onto this call. And then she's like, you know what? I got this book. It's coming out with this big, huge publisher. We're going to write about you in there, too. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. And then now McGraw-Hill's like, here, here's your own book. You can go out there and put your own ideas into this thing, too. So if you really go out there and you build your influence the right way and you know how to really utilize that PR and you have a strategy behind it, then you can really go out there and crush it as an influencer. Uh, it was great having you on today and joining us for this uh, talk, Ulysses. Do you have any final words that you wanted to close out with? Um. Yes, I will take you to in and out soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you better take me to in and out Like, I feel so left out. Ulysses flew in uh, for over a week. He, did, he um, put up a little Instagram story of him at in and out And even though he was with influencers, he was with all these other famous people, I only felt left out because he didn't invite me to in and out So I'm going to hold you to that, Ulysses. Cool. <laughs> All right, well, um, what, you, if you want to find me on Twitter, you could always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim. Ulysses is on Instagram at Ulysses. And we wanted to thank you so much for tuning in to Grow Your Influencers, uh, Grow Your Influence Tree this week, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. 
Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.